Diverse voices. Unique sound. Not the same old thing. Different. Different. This is NOCO FM. Greetings, listeners, and welcome to another action-packed edition of Corbin vs. the World. I am your tireless host and hero, Corbin David Albaugh, here to congratulate you on making it through the second week of January. Well done, guys. Even though I know that 80% of us have already given up on our New Year's resolutions, that is no reason to get down on yourself. You can live vicariously through me and know that I am progressing just fine through my New Year's resolution of watching every Nicolas Cage film ever made. So maybe take a lesson from me and know that next year you should set your standards a little bit lower because it's the only way that we are going to survive. And while 2019 is still in its infancy, I think it's important to acknowledge that, yes, we do want to set aspirations for ourselves about growing and changing, but it's also important to recognize the things that we can leave behind now that it's the new year. Now granted, there are a lot of things in the world that if we had unlimited power, we should absolutely leave behind in 2018, such as the Trump presidency, or the mere concept of Imagine Dragons, but we cannot alter the universe as much as we would like, because we have not yet collected all of the Infinity Stones. But I think that one tiny way that we can all collectively work to improve our universe in 2019 is if we all make the decision to stop purchasing products and frequenting businesses that insist on using the terms artisanal and handcrafted with all of their products, because they are words that mean nothing other than the fact that you are probably going to pay five extra dollars for it. And I understand that this new rule might put Whole Foods out of business, but that is a worthy sacrifice that I think most of us are willing to let go of in 2019 because it's meaningless language that doesn't help the consumer at all. When I see the words handcrafted or artisanal on a product, it better be made in a tiny sepia-toned log cabin with a roaring fire, and the product itself was made by a blind craftsman named Garth, and his apprentice, also named Garth. And if the product was not created by either Garth or Garth, then it better have been made by fucking elves. Because otherwise, you are fibbing to your customers, which is something that I cannot stand, Dazbog. Because here's the deal, Joe Bob Briggs consumer. That organic, handcrafted, artisanal, cruelty-free, gluten-free, lavender oatmeal soap that you bought from that nice little boutique for 20 fucking dollars was more likely than not assembled haphazardly by some stoner named Todd who just makes soap in his part-time job so that he has some beer money on the weekends so he can continue funding his Twitch stream. He also probably got his boogers in your soap. So, save the money, don't spend $20 on artisanal booger soap, Go to Walmart like the rest of us proles and buy the generic brand soap, save your money, and use it to go see Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse for the 10th time. You will thank yourself later. Another thing that I would love to see go away in 2019 are just ukuleles in general, mainly so that I can get them off of my social media feed. I don't understand what possesses a person to think that the thing that the world needs right now is yet another ukulele cover of a Sam Cooke song or a rap song or generally any song. Ukuleles are not cool, they're not fun, and it is not a musical flex to be seen playing one. Anytime I see you playing a ukulele on Instagram or any other equivalent social media, it tells me that you desperately want to show off musical skills, but you don't actually want to put in the time to learn a real dignified instrument like the mighty bassoon. So let's get less ukulele covers into the world and more bassoon covers out into the world. Show your originality. Show your creativity. Grow, grow, you beautiful, beautiful butterfly listener. Here's some tunes.
Greetings. Welcome back, listeners, to Corbin versus the World. I am still your hero, Corbin David Albaugh. We just got done listening to a song by Slater Kinney, which I played for you mainly because they are in the studio with St. Vincent. So get out of the way, Marvel. This is the crossover event that everybody is looking forward to, and the hype dragon is fully engaged and ready to strike. On a semi-related note, I'm also convinced that Carrie Brownstein from Slater Kinney and Portlandia has discovered the secret to immortality because that woman has not aged a day since the 90s. So I am going to hunt down Fred Armisen because I think that he has the key to all of this. I could be wrong, but hey, that's a project I have for this new year. And speaking of projects that I have for the new year, it's time that I update you listeners on my New Year's resolution. Hashtag Cage Watch. You tell me another and I'll rescue myself. That is a promise. So as I mentioned earlier in the show and on the previous episode, I have made the New Year's resolution for myself to watch every single Nicolas Cage film ever made in an attempt to martyr myself for the cinematic gods so that they will let me into film heaven when I finally pass on to the next world and understand that this includes not only starring Nicolas Cage films, but even roles where he has just a little teeny tiny bit part in it. So this includes his famous role as Dr. Fu Manchu in the Grindhouse films. So I have that to look forward to. And I was a little afraid at first that I had bitten off a little bit more than I could chew when I first made this pledge, because at the time I didn't actually know how many Nicolas Cage films there were floating around the cinematic ether. And if you're curious, the answer is 96. There are 96 Nicolas Cage films that I must fight and conquer this year so that I can be redeemed in the eyes of the universe. Or at least that's what the fortune teller told me. So my original strategy with this task was starting my way from the beginning of Nicolas Cage's career and then following him on a cinematic timeline all the way from Fast Times at Ridgemont High all the way through to Mandy. But then I realized that that's way more hustle than I actually want to put into this at the moment. And there's like 20 Nicolas Cage movies already at my disposal through various streaming networks. So I opted to begin my journey through the oeuvre of Nicolas Cage with the gold standard Cage blockbuster, 2004's National Treasure, also known as the movie where Nicolas Cage steals the Declaration of Independence. In National Treasure, Nicolas Cage is the hilariously named Benjamin Franklin Gates. He is a renegade treasure hunter, history buff, and jack-of-all-trades who is traveling the world so that he can accomplish his family's goal of hunting down the lost treasure of the Founding Fathers. Overall, National Treasure, it's really not a bad movie. It's your standard mid-aughts blockbuster film, so it's got all of the familiar tropes that are contained in those films. You've got your tiny sidekick who makes all the hilarious jokes. You have a villain with a British accent. And of course, you have the romantic female lead played by Diane Kruger from Inglorious Bastards, whose entire job is to fall in love with Nicolas Cage because that is your job when you are the only female character in a mid-aughts blockbuster movie. But I think that the most significant thing to note about National Treasure is not about Nicolas Cage, but rather the fact that it's a movie with Sean Bean as the villain where Sean Bean does not actually die in it, spoiler warning, and therefore I feel like this movie should be illegal according to film rules, but thankfully it is not illegal. It's actually a fairly quality film as long as you remember that it's a dumb popcorn blockbuster heist film, and it also serves as kind of the line in the sand between Cage's a little bit more conservative early work, you know, Wild at Heart and Vampire's Kiss notwithstanding, and moving into his much more batshit post-National Treasure work when the taxes started to pile up and he needed to take any project that came in front of him. And luckily for you, listener, these next two movies that I watched fall into that realm. The next movie that I watched, also available on Netflix, was Left Behind, which was based on the unbelievably popular apocalypse porn book series that ran during the late 90s, early aughts period. I did read a couple of those books when I was very bored in junior high, and it gave me a very unhealthy fascination with the Book of Revelations, but we're not going to dwell on that right now, and I got over most of that during my confirmation time. Anyway, 
In Left Behind, Nicolas Cage is Rayford Steele, another hilariously named character, who is a philandering passenger jet pilot who finds himself caught up in the rapture mid-flight when God decides to hit the Armageddon button and take up all of his true followers, including Rayford's devoted wife, Irene? Question mark? But she gets taken up along with his son, and that's very tragic, and the movie is all about Nicolas Cage trying to land a plane, very much like Airplane, but without Leslie Nielsen, while also trying to reach his daughter, played by a girl who Chad Michael Murray from Lost falls in love with. So well done with that. And I really don't want to dwell on that movie too much, A, because it sucked, but also because it is one of those rare, sucky Nicolas Cage films where Nicolas Cage is not even close to the worst part of the movie. You could really see that he was mailing in the performance on this one, which is a little disappointing because I can't think of a more entertaining scenario than Nicolas Cage having to deal with the end of the world. So instead, I had to entertain myself by seeing a scene where Jordan Sparks from American Idol pulled a gun on the tiny janitor from Scrubs and threatened him with something. But it's a total piece of shit movie that wears its religion on its sleeve. It's not worth your time, but that's available on Netflix if you feel like you need some white noise that will also condemn your soul to hell. Speaking of condemning your soul to hell, the next film in this blockbuster lineup was Dog Eat Dog, and this caught my attention. This came out in 2016. This film caught my attention because it stars not only Nicolas Cage, but also Willem Dafoe, who will be a part of my film marathon in 2020, where I watch every Willem Dafoe movie. But that movie is a trip. I had no idea what I was getting into when I tuned in, and I knew I was in for it when 15 minutes into the film, Willem Dafoe had already killed two people while hepped up on bath salts. So in Dog Eat Dog, Nicolas Cage is Troy, who is an ex-convict who met Willem Dafoe and another convict named Diesel, and they are all trying to stick together and be the bestest buds and make a new way out in their newfound freedom by, of course, embarking on all of their old criminal enterprises. It's an unbelievably violent, unbelievably exploitative film. There are like 10 different scenes that take place in strip clubs. I had no idea that this movie existed, and I still haven't quite decided if it's a bad movie or not, but I know that I can never watch it again. So take that information for what you will. That movie is also available on Netflix. That movie is not a good one for white noise because it will probably scar you. It does have tremendous art direction, though, and Willem Dafoe does a lot of drugs in it. A lot of drugs. About as much drugs as I might need to get through every single Nicolas Cage film. But we are not at that point yet. That is your Cage Watch 2019 update. Here are more tunes.
Welcome back to Corbin versus the World. I am still your host and hero, Corbin David Albaugh. I hope you enjoyed those tunes, and I would like to take this time to give a public service announcement about my new favorite show. No, this is not a repeat. No, I am not talking about the Titan Games, believe it or not, although that show absolutely lived up to my expectations, but I was not expecting another show to come through the magic door and blow the Titan games out of the water. I am talking, of course, about The Masked Singer, the latest show to show up on Fox. Now, on its face, The Masked Singer is just another offshoot of the American Idol talent show genre that has pretty much inundated the primetime TV sphere for the last five years. But there's just enough insanity going on in The Masked Singer that it pushes it from just boring talent show into almost Roman Colosseum-like levels of depravity. So the idea behind The Masked Singer is that they get four judges, Ken Jeong, Robin Thicke, Nicole Scherzingizengar, Gozinga from the Pussycat Dolls, and Jenny McCarthy. And you might be asking yourself, what do all those people have in common? To which I say, yes. Those people are judges, and Nick Cannon is the host, and in The Masked Singer, you have literal masked singers come up in ridiculous NFL mascot reject costumes and sing bad covers of Top 40 songs. But here is the twist, my dear listener. These are no average garden variety singers, no. Behind these masks and garish costumes, these are famous celebrities. And so not only do you have the judges who are quote unquote grading the singing of these mystery contestants, but they are also trying to piece together the identity like their four Sherlock Holmeses in chintzy outfits, trying to find the secret identity of these masked singers. And at the very end of the episode, they take the worst singer and they unmask them to reveal who they are. So the show is a double pleasure because you get to watch a whole bunch of celebrities try and play literal guess who while also trying to play at home while you figure out which celebrities have fallen that far down the ladder that they need to appear in shit like the masked singer. It's pure unbridled depravity and absurd dada and... When I first saw the commercial for it, I was like, this is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. So it's only natural that this is now my favorite show of 2019. So I will leave that word with you. Please watch The Masked Singer and dance as we collapse further with Western civilization. Here's more tunes.
wet green grass I got a chainsaw motor that's filled with rain But when it sings like Bach The eyes all bulge And when the pink sun drops The eyelids fold while I'm in deep REM sleep or twilight zones I take a freight elevator I press fast forward I can deep grind these teeth And deep through time If I can bring things back They feed back wild when I Just watch the fall is the easiest part 
sad, sad boy, but his feelings were hard to find. It's funny how the time before I got all the trouble, he ran away from his mother. Blah 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 blah. blah, blah. Who's to say you wanna figure it out? It takes years to learn this stuff, anyhow. It's one fine day, hanging in a frame. All you own for yourself is what you've hidden away. It's called 20 years long, cut loose from the tree. However, however, the fall is the easiest part. It's the easiest part. Called 20 years long, cut loose from the tree. However, just watch the fall is the easiest part. Welcome back, listeners, to Corbin versus the World. I am your hero, Corbin David Albaugh, and we are just wrapping up this episode. Thank you very much for tuning in during this power hour. Hope you enjoyed the tunes. Hope you enjoyed the words. Just wanted to give some quick shout-outs to the station and other some such things. As a quick reminder, we are still accepting nominations for our Bad Song 2019 contest. Please submit your nominations, either through text or a voice memo, at 970-666-6626. I did spin around three times and spit before I said that, so I did not open up a portal to hell like last time. So please get those nominations in. We're sitting on a little over a dozen nominations at the moment, and it is some stiff competition, let me tell you. We are aiming for 32 nominations. Once that is finalized, the NCAA-style bracket will come out and voting will commence. Whichever song is the winner will get a 24-hour loop on April Fool's Day on NOCO FM, courtesy of Your Hero. Also, a quick shout-out to NOCO FM's upcoming trip to PodCon. I and everyone else involved with the network will be trekking up to Seattle next week to be hobnobbing with all of the podcast royalty, and it's going to be a grand old time. Can't wait to report back to you on that. Be sure to stay tuned to listen to Gadio. And also be sure to check out any of our past shows on the NOCO FM website or on Spotify and iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks a lot for tuning in, y'all. Appreciate ya.
Mean you're moving on 
the balcony, you call my name, I see you standing in the rain. Your words so dry, your face so wet, say I broke your heart, but it hasn't happened yet. I'll bet your friends all hate me now, I get the strangest looks from that busy crowd. And though they must think they have every reason to, I guess I'm still not quite yet over you. When the words are wrong and you're hanging on another guy's arm, does this mean you're moving on? This has been a production of NOCO FM.